I am New York City-based psychotherapist Nikita Banks, a licensed clinical social worker, and I am your host of the Black Therapist Podcast, formerly Black in Therapy. The Black Therapist Podcast is a place where we will discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. You can listen to our show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You can follow us on Instagram, the Black Therapist Podcast, or you can hit us up on our website and sign up for our mailing list at blacktherapistpodcast.com. Also, on our website, you can find the links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. You can also email us show suggestions, general feedback, and any ideas that you have for, I don't know, guests at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to our show. Okay. I am hot, mad, upset, disgusted, and tired. Mad, upset, disgusted, and tired. Now, when I get a lot of feedback for what people say about me um, and my presentation on this show, they hear that they, they say that I keep it real. And I'm not sure what clinicians that you guys have. My therapist keeps it all the way real, and he's not a black therapist, but I mean, he's he's mine. I, I like the way he gives it up. He doesn't he, he doesn't put on airs. He's not fake. He's not phony. And that's the thing that draws me to him so if the thing about me that you like the most is that I keep it real today I'm going to keep it a hundred percent funky with you guys today okay so I'm in several um, support groups or like Facebook groups for clinicians of color um, one of them is an organization called Black Therapist Rocks if you are a social worker you might want to join some of these organizations another one is um, wait I want to look at it so that I get it right clinicians of color in private practice it's a group that I'm, I'm also in and I joined a lot of these groups because I just kind of wanted some feedback from other clinicians who look like me who um, could also support me in my journey and as I stated if you've listened to the other show um, black clinicians or clinicians of color uh, blacks and Hispanics have really truly helped my career flourish I could not have gotten along without my crew and um, not that my white clinician friends or my, my white colleagues didn't pour into my career they didn't do it with the same care, concern, and um, help towards my advancement that black colleagues did. So I roll with my crew. And I, as a clinician of color, as someone who has other uh, aspiring therapists or other social workers in my family, I try to do what I can to help them in their advance their careers. And this is something that I kind of learned early on because there was... Uh, when I got, I had my second year internship, another intern that was at the same location with me, her father was a psychologist and her mother was a social worker. And we started to talk a little bit more about like the roles that they would have in advancing her career. And she obviously thought that they would play a very active role in helping her advance and so you know she wasn't a clinician of color but it started to get me to thinking about what my network was going to look like and I didn't have a network that I was born into when it came to mental health or even when it came to social work so I joined these groups and they've kind of been like my extended family I've met some clinician friends off there I've been able to speak at Black Therapist Rocks conference last um, summer 
summer, which was an amazing experience just to kind of be in a space reserved for people of color with clinicians of color, presenting, being in the audience and listening to people of color and being able to present in a room and look out and cry and share with people who looked like me, who had similar cultural experiences. And it was amazing. So I am kind of perturbed. It's my mother's word. When I continually see in these groups black clinicians being inundated in their workplaces by white clinicians with all of their things. We live in a, a, a weird time racially in this country where everyone is kind of talking about race. But there's a lot of white splaining, and there's a lot of white people who think that they're the authority on race. But what I see is a lot of microaggressions, and not only do I see a lot of microaggressions, if you don't know what microaggressions are, you might want to listen to the Get Out show, or you might want to Google. I think there's a project called Microaggressions, but I'm not going to get into it. Microaggressions is just racism, light, nice, polite racism. Um... And so there are a lot of microaggressions that are they're they're not even microaggressions they're just aggressions that I see happening in the group so in the group the black black therapist rocks I saw a few days ago someone post wrote a post that said Monday my coworker told me I made her uncomfortable with my references to race today I apologized for my racial slurs and assured her that it would never happen again and then I cried all the way home so this is a black woman who discussed race in an environment where it is a thousand percent okay to talk about race. And what I was confused, I was like, what was your racial slurs? Like, what are, what are the slurs that you used? When she explained it, she, she didn't use a slur. Like, I don't know, what would you call a white person? Nothing, no word is, is comparable to the N-word. We all know this. There are some offensive words to other people of color, but there's no word that you could possibly ever use to call a white person anything that would be equal to that of the N-word. So I was kind of curious about the slurs. And she was like, well, I didn't use a slur, just kind of talking about race in the way that I was. She told me that it made me uncomfortable. Dear white woman, if you are uncomfortable talking at work where everything that you do impacts a person who is either marginalized, a person of color, impoverished, gay, impacted by oppression every single day, then you need to quit your job. If you cannot have an open discussion about race, you need to do something else. And you know that I've already kind of touched on this when I talked about my white colleague friend who I'm no longer friends with. Well, she's not friends with me, but I really don't care because I decided to have a talk with her about internally examining her bias. I believe that if she doesn't handle these things and if you can't handle the discussion, you are in the wrong business. This is not for you. You should do something else. You should do something else because this is a hard job to do if you are not able to be introspective. Every single day I go to work, I have to examine how my privilege impacts my clients every single day. Every single day I go to work, I have to examine how my presentation impacts my clients. I have to think about how I present and how it impacts impacts the populations that I serve. I like wearing nice clothes, labels upon labels. I mean, I like to get fly. 
I could not be walking into the shelter system that I worked in in Fendi Sherlin. I like I couldn't. Well, like with high priced Manolo Blahniks on. I just couldn't because they weren't going to be able to hear me. They were going to see my privilege and they were going to see that I was talking down to them. They they couldn't see that maybe five years ago I was where they were or six years ago I, I've gone through what they've gone through. They wouldn't see that. All they would see is that this person doesn't identify with me because they don't know what I'm going through. It's the same with race. And so um, that's one of the posts that like really pissed me off. And just to know that not only did this white woman tell her that she didn't want to talk about race because it made her uncomfortable, but that this black woman cried about it in her workspace, in her, with her colleagues, in an, in an environment that it should be okay to talk about race. I've been lucky enough to work in some places where social justice and the aspect of social and resource inequity along the lines of race and culture were discussed and talked about. I'm so grateful that I was able to work for organizations early on in my career that I could sit in a room full of white people, the CEOs and the higher ups and tell them what my experience was as a black woman and tell them what I went through and challenge some of them. Like I had one one instance where I was in a room with the CEO and one of the, the clinical directors directors and she challenged me because I was like we they were using the the correlation between blacks and gays and and no suffering is the same no suffering is comparable but being gay in this country is different from being black in this country because you if you choose to you could choose to hide your sexual identity or sexual expression you cannot choose to hide your race period 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 it ain't the same so when the clinical director was like I disagree I was so grateful that not only did I challenge her and I was able to leave that alone, I was able to go to lunch with other clinicians who looked like me and decompress about what happened. And I was able to come back from lunch and have my white director, shout out to Robin, my my white director call me in and tell me that her and the other directors had a conversation with the clinical director and told her that what she did was not okay. And I felt completely supported. And I I felt I was shocked because even though this is a social work environment and part of what we do is social and social justice and part of what we do impacts the lives of a lot of young, impoverished kids all across the city, If our clinical director didn't believe in our mission and didn't do what she needed to do to open up her ears and listen to and not silence the voices of color in the room who are the experts on these things and how they impact our communities, then there was nothing that I was going to be able to do to stay in this environment. So. If there are any white clinicians listening, I'm not sure that there would be, but if there are any white clinicians listening, if you have the opportunity, chance, and access to work with a person of color and they are explaining to you their experience about race or their expertise about race, listen to them. Don't silence them. 
don't dismiss them and don't white explain because it makes you feel more powerful or it makes you feel less less uncomfortable because that discomfort that you're feeling right now during that conversation is but a fraction of what we feel as people of color navigating society today so why i'm doing this show another reason why i'm doing this show is today i wake up and i see someone posted in another one of my groups clinicians of color in private practice so i'm just going to read the post it's pretty long but i'm going to read it and then i have my my thoughts good morning everyone Yesterday, I had an enlightening discussion with another therapist who is Caucasian about clinicians of color, or in particular, African-American and Hispanic therapists are not as good as clinicians compared to Caucasians. She stated her reasons being, one, they don't charge as much for their services. Therefore, it speaks to their education and self-esteem. Two, they don't support one another. Instead, they put them down or ignore each other. And three, they are so competitive with one another that they don't work together for further advancement. Four, they always have a chip on their shoulders for something. She further elaborated her thoughts by using the example of some of the other groups on Facebook and how they have large numbers of followers and large brands, etc. The sad part is that in some cases, I get her thought process regarding this. I try to understand her mindset and how she got to this conclusion in order to better educate her. I, however, do not agree with her beliefs. I didn't really get a chance to get in a good response as a client was at my door. I did tell her I would call her this weekend to follow up. So this is a two-part question. Number one, how do you feel about her thoughts? Sadly, She's a clinician, so I'm sure that she has this bias for her professional clients who are persons of color as well. Two, how should I respond to this? I don't want to react in a negative way or justify or increase her beliefs even more. Sorry about the long and early post. I had to get this out this morning. So I'm going to take two first. How should I respond to this? As professionals, there is a code of ethics that we have to abide by and part of that addresses social justice and part of that addresses um, oppression part of that addresses bias and part of what we have to do is be introspective so this woman who has all of this this these thoughts with no cultural background on these things has an opinion on who black people are and who black clinicians are What's what's her basis, number one? Number two, how did she formulate these ideas? How many black clinicians do she know? And why is it this woman's job, even though she's a colleague, but why is it her job to blacksplain to this woman? I don't get it. What I would personally do is I would write her a letter and I would put out, because I need it in writing, but I would write her a letter and I would state all of the things that she said and I would write the parts of the code of ethics that she is violating by thinking this way. I would give her an opportunity to write me a letter back because I need something back in writing. And if I don't see anything, I'm sending it to the board. You know why? Because I'm not playing with white clinicians and how they're impacting our clients. Our clients are over-medicated. They are underserved. They're not getting, they're over-diagnosed. They're hospitalized at a rate that never happens to white 
clients, white clients are underdiagnosed. We are overdiagnosed. Black people are pathologized at a rate that never happens. So it should not be her responsibility as a black clinician to educate this white woman. Now, I might take the opportunity to do it. But I'm going to do it in the way that address the ethical dilemma that this woman does. And I would add in that note, maybe this is not the career for you. And if you feel this way, I would suggest that you not work with people of color, period, point blank. Because to me, she's a racist and it is what it is. You have all of these thoughts on not only clients, but highly skilled, educated clinicians. And from where? Okay. So I think I've addressed this, the second part of how would she um, she address it. And I wouldn't worry about the negative ways of justifying her beliefs because she already believes whatever she believes. And it's not your job to make her believe anything different. And it's not going to work if you think that you're going to make her believe anything different. Cognitive dissonance is something. And she's going on her white woman privilege. And you can't challenge that. She ain't going to allow you to challenge that because you're not a good enough person to challenge that. You are not her equal. She has already warned you and told you that you and her are not the same. So no matter what you say, doesn't matter. That's the first thing. Second thing, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take her complaints one by one. Black clinicians are not as good because they don't charge as much for their services. Therefore, it speaks to their education and self-esteem. Now, I may, I may not be as pretty as I want to be, even though I think I'm pretty cute. I may not be as fit as I want to be, even though my body is okay. I may not be a lot of things. I'm a great mother and I'm a damn good therapist. So the reason that I charge less in some cases than other people and the reason that I I work on a sliding scales sometimes as opposed to some people is because a lot of my clients cannot afford my rates and I rather take less money to empower my people. I'm getting emotional. Then to take more money working for somebody else who has access to other clinicians. Work for somebody else who do not really need my services. My clients come to me every single day and they say, it's so hard to find a black therapist in network. It's so hard to find a black therapist who takes my insurance. It's so hard to find a black therapist in my community. So no, I don't charge what I'm worth, but I find other ways to supplement my income. And I find other ways to make sure that I'm able to empower my community and get paid what I am worth for it. It's all a matter of time, but I am here to serve my people. And if that means I got to take Medicaid, and if that means I got to take a payment plan, and if that means that I have to charge less than I usually charge, then that's what I'm going to do. I chose to be a therapist in the hood where I grew up in. That was a choice. So while I could choose to go to Fifth Avenue and I could choose to go out there and, and, and make more money, that's not going to fulfill me. And that's not going to advance my community like I need it to do. Second, a lot of black people, unfortunately, don't know the value of therapy. It's changing, thank God. But they don't know the value of therapy and therefore they are not investing in it like they should. I've said this on, on, on here before. I just, I just bought me some hair weave and it was very expensive. $200 a bundle 
okay? And I know people who do that, bad, good shoes, Jordans, but not a lot of us are investing in our health, period. And a lot of people are not investing in their mental health. And this is people of color. This too is changing. But until we do what we need to do to value our health on a large scale, we can't charge what the others can charge because they have a head start on us when it comes to these things, period. So I am not undervaluing myself because of my self-esteem and my education. When I went to one of the top social work schools in the country, shout out to NYU, and I'm being trained right now at an Ivy League, shout out to Columbia. And I went to Brooklyn College, shout out to that, okay? So it, it was affordable, I'm gonna put that out there. But um, that has nothing to do with my education and definitely doesn't have anything to do with my intelligence or my self-esteem. It has everything to do with my idea that I embarked on this career to be of service. And that is what I'm doing. So that's the first one of her points. Second point, they. So I'm going to say she said I, because I'm, I'm a clinician of color. She said I don't support one another. Instead, I put them down and I ignore each other. I have very few black clinicians in my area, which is why I get the referrals that I get. I have there are very few black clinicians in my area who I refer clients to. However, I have referred clients out to Hispanic therapists. Um, there was actually a white clinician that I know that is amazing. Uh, and I, I chased him down three days ago to ask him if he was in private practice still because there was a client that I have that I think that he would be a great fit for. So I support white clinicians. I support my Asian friends. I support my, my Russian friends. I support my black clinicians more than anybody. I have an intern now. I have more than one, but I have one intern. It was important to me, and thank God it was important to the school to give this black girl a place to work where she could work with people who look like her and give her cultural support as well as a great clinical experience. So it's important for me to not only work within my community, but I send so much business to the other therapists that I know in my area. And if you are a black therapist in Brooklyn, New York, if you are a black therapist in the surrounding boroughs hit me uh, hit me up because I need other people to send people to all the time the email black in therapy at gmail.com black in therapy at gmail.com if you are a clinician and you want some of these referrals hit me up because there is there are not enough of us to go around and there has to be more networking done to make that happen however I am in several groups and in those groups there are clinicians of color that often give me business or that I give business to. So she is a big fat liar and doesn't know what she's talking about. That's, that's her second point. Number three, they, she said I, because anytime it says they, she's talking about me. I am always so competitive with, with other people and I don't know how to work together for future advancement. She better shut her mouth because if it wasn't for the other black therapist that I had on my team, I wouldn't even be here would not be here period point blank if it wasn't for my squad I could not be here I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing I wouldn't be owning my own business I wouldn't have the the practice that I have I wouldn't even have my license if it wasn't for my black 
therapist friends and colleagues who poured into my career when the others would not. When there were white people who were supposed to be on my team, not because they were doing me favors, but because it was in my contract, would not sign my paperwork. You heard me tell you this. I had a white that white clinician, a supervisor. She would not sign my paperwork for me to get this license. Okay? So, no, I could not be here if it wasn't for other black therapists. That's the first thing. I keep saying the first thing, but I'm like, it's like 55 first things, but don't worry about me. They always, she said I, always have a chip on my shoulder for something. Hmm. And she further elaborated her thoughts by using the example of some other groups on Facebook and how they have large numbers of followers and large brands. Duh. I I believe I discussed this before in the numbers. There are not a lot of us, period. So there will not be a lot of us in these groups. I'm I'm in two. I think I'm in maybe three or four groups of clinicians who are women of color or people of color. I'm in like maybe two or three. But the rest of them are white groups. I'm not even in them groups. I'm going there. They could teach me about billing. They could teach me about advertising. They could teach me about marketing. They could teach me about business stuff. But if I really want to decompress and go in there and be like, girl, I had a bad day at work, I'm going to my homegirls. I'm going to the groups with the people that look like me. I'm going to a place where I know that I don't have to say much. I had several new clients come to me and their major complaint about white therapists is that they gotta explain the inconsequential to these people the thing that the, the, a woman said to me yesterday I went to a white therapist and I was trying to explain to her you know things that were going on in my family you know with me being the only successful person and me being the only um, person to have gone to college and made it and the things that my mother you know and I were going through and she says she told a white therapist her issues. And the white therapist says, your mother sounds awful. And I clutched my pearls. And so did she. She said, I can't go back to this woman if this is what she's going to say to her. I've gone to a horrible white therapist. When I was a young mother, I had um, was a victim of, of a break-in in my home. And so they sent me to counseling. I was home. It was like kind of like, it wasn't a home invasion, but he, he was, he invaded my home and I was in there. And so I went to therapy and I'm like rattling off my things about my history, stuff with my family and my father. Now that I, I really, I know the business. I know that what she was doing was an intake assessment. So she was asking me all of these background informations about how I grew up and this and the third. And I'm just telling her, okay, well, yeah, you know, I grew up with my mother and my father was this and you know, there was drug use and there was this and that. She started crying. I looked like, what the hell's wrong with her? Is she saying something is wrong with me? Oh, no, I can't come back here. Now I know she probably was an intern and didn't know what the hell she was doing. But I remember, like, she cried and she gasped. And she was like, that sounds horrible. My girl, knock it off. (laughs) Knock it all the way off. So I hear these stories constantly. And not only do I hear these stories, I've gone to therapy three separate times before getting, no, three times, including with the therapist that I'm, I'm with now, the one that I've been with for the past seven, six, seven years. I don't remember how long I've been with him, but I don't go to him as often anymore because I've gotten a lot of the skills that he wanted to give me and that that helped me get to where I am in this journey. But that's the trust and believe. Like when I need a tune up, I call him and say, hey, I want to come in and I need I have there's some things on my chest that I have to get off. There are certain things that I need to talk to. And he is not a black therapist, but he gets me. 
culturally, though, I will say this, culturally, he and I are the same. And I don't have to explain certain racial things to him because he gets it. And so a lot of what white therapists are doing wrong and a lot of what white therapists are not doing that are impacting the community and why they cannot keep clients of color is that they are not introspective. They don't listen to their clients. They are biased, biased, and don't have any kind of positive, normalized interactions with those people when they are off the clock. Except for that one black friend that everybody has a miraculous one black friend when they want to prove that they're not racist, okay? So what I would suggest, if the in, on the off chance that you are a white clinician listening to this show, examine your privilege and ask myself, is how I show up in the room negatively impacting my clients? Because that is a question that no matter what you look like and no matter what privilege you think you don't have if you are a clinician you are a person in power over those in that other seat or sitting on that couch if you have the education you are the person in power I have the ability as a therapist to take away someone's freedom I have the ability as a therapist to call 911 and have somebody hospitalized I have that authority you know as a therapist I have the power to take away your children I'm a mandated reporter and if I suspect that there is child abuse I I can actually in some settings go into your home and take your children if you work if you're a social worker that works for like child welfare or something like that and with that authority comes great responsibility we have to learn to be responsible in what we do and we have to identify the impact of what we do on the community that we serve because that's what I am I am a servant this white woman is a servant and it seems to me that she's forgotten that not only is she a servant but she has absolutely no respect for her black colleagues and to tell a black woman in her face that you're not as good enough you're not as good of a therapist as I am you're not as good of a clinician as I am is astounding and so you wouldn't have to worry about Nikita Banks being the angry angry black woman in that case because I would have had a whole lot to say a whole lot to say and nobody would have stopped me and I may have been a little inarticulate and I may have used some French because I speak it fluently. You know, the four letter French. And so this has been my show for today. Be well. And to the clinicians out there, be responsible. You've listened to another episode of the Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Nikita Banks, licensed clinical social worker. And this is Black Therapist Podcast, formerly Black in Therapy. If you are looking for any information, any resources about today's show, or if you just want to drop a line and say hey and subscribe to our mailing list, you can do so at our website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. You can send us emails at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed what you heard, today please like comment share and subscribe because we want the show to grow as organically as we possibly can and we cannot do that without you thank you for listening be well